This is the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. We here at the Taxpayers Federation, we're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. I'm Chris Sims. I'm the BC Director of the CTF and my friend and colleague, Franco Terrazano. He's here. He's holding down the fort for us in Ottawa as the Federal Director. So we've got a really good show for you today. Well, good in the sense that it's really disturbing for taxpayers. We're going to do a deep dive into the debt and the fact that we apparently won't see balanced budgets for another five decades. And in Waste Watch, to have a laugh and to cheer up, we'll talk about how the government managed to go thousands of dollars over budget on laundry machines, like <laughs> washing machines. Just add government, man. But first, Franco, how's it going? You're all settled in kind of in Ottawa now. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing a lot better than these government budgets these days, but yeah, all settled in in Ottawa. I've been here for about a week now, so uh, I think I think things are going pretty well out here. How are you doing, sir? Uh, have you found the magic money tree yet? Have you discovered where they're finding the money that grows on the trees out in Ottawa? Nope, still taxpayers' <laughs> pockets. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, out here it's going well. I'm uh, fighting the perennial parental battle of summer of trying to pry my kids off the TV and make them actually go outside and enjoy the summer. Uh, but really, this is the highlight of our week where we get to record this podcast. So we have to really focus on this one issue off the top here because it's getting a lot of play. And that's the idea of a wealth tax and not only a wealth tax, an extreme wealth tax. Well, this time it's Liberal MP Nathaniel Erskine-Smith and he wants to do a one-time tax on extreme wealth. So while that sounds interesting, the idea of you know eating the rich and making all of our troubles go away, this would actually wind up costing taxpayers around $60 billion over five years or, and or take $60 billion out of our economy. But when you look at the spending side of things, so here they want to you know, do the highway robbery thing and actually take the money. At the rate that they're spending this at the federal level, Trudeau's government would blast through this amount of money in around a month or so. So how are we going to pay the bills for the other 11 months of the year? And again, under this scheme, we would suddenly tax a handful of super uber rich people. We'd blow through that money in a month. And this is also a factor. We'd risk those super uber rich people pulling up stakes and leaving Canada. In that case, they could actually wind up costing jobs that way. So the idea of setting up like a bunch of highwaymen up on the wealthy road for a one-time hit doesn't sound like a good economic plan, Franco. Yeah, and you know, there's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of reasons why the economics of a wealth tax is just bad policy, and we can link to a report that we put on uh, about the wealth tax. We'll include that in the show notes for our listeners here. But you know what really caught my attention on this proposal in particular, this so-called one-time tax, <laughs> one-time tax my butt, right? Like. As if the politicians are going to put in a one-time tax. That's like me going to my girlfriend and saying, yeah, I'll just have one bite of cheesecake tonight. It ain't going to happen. And already we, we've seen other politicians like the new Democrat leader, Jagmeet Singh, saying that he doesn't want a one-time tax. He wants this wealth tax to be a normal tax every single year. So there really is a slippery slope that we have to watch out for here, folks. I mean, let's just remember the income tax, right? When it was first brought into Canada, that was supposed to help us deal with our World War I spending. Well, the last time I looked, thankfully, we're, we're no longer in World War I. That is long gone, uh, but we are still dealing with that federal income tax. So watch out for the slippery slope, folks. And another thing that we have to watch out for is all the political welfare, particularly in Ontario. Something that our Ontario director, Jay, our interim, he uh, dug up was 
that Ontario's political parties have arranged a $10 million payday advance by getting post-election per vote welfare payments pre-election. Right, so there's going to be three welfare installments meant to come after the election, but it will actually be paid out before the election. So political welfare is bad enough, but these advance payments really make my blood boil. And um, here's what these pre-election political welfare payments will will break down to. We'll see the PC party getting about 4.4 million dollars, the NDP 3.6 million, the Liberal Party of Ontario 2.1 million, and the Green Party will get about a cool, easy breezy 500 thousand dollars. Wow. Okay. So. To be clear, folks, not only are politicians and their political parties getting taxpayers' money, so this is for things like lawn signs and attack ads. This is not going to Elections Ontario to pay for the little ballots and the pencils. No, 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 no. This is going to partisan political parties. So not only that, not only are they getting taxpayers' money, now they're trying to take it early <laughs> so that they can blow more of your money on their election campaigns. It's really unacceptable. And what really rubs salt in the wound is that Ford, Premier Doug Ford promised to scrap all this. He promised to get rid of the per vote subsidy. He promised to get rid of political welfare during the 2018 election. Instead, not only has he jacked up the take from politicians taking from taxpayers, uh, but he's also trying to take it early now in order to bankroll an election. Okay, so we're talking about cost of taxpayers, obviously, and I wanna jump into maybe the most important issue for taxpayers right now, even though they might not know it, and that is all of this massive deficit spending and whether or not we'll ever pay for it. Okay, so it's time for our deep dive. This is when we take a much closer look at really important issues. But before we get started, if this stuff drives you crazy, that's a good sign. That shows that you're paying attention. But have some fun with us and help us join our army. Go to our website, taxpayer.com. We actually have a store there now and you can get cool things like t-shirts and baby onesies. And you can even get sweatshirts to say things like this, socially distancing from me for my money since 1917 which of course is what Franco was talking about. We first got the income tax uh, here in Canada to temporarily pay for the war. No such thing as a temporary tax. Okay, so Franco, you and I talk about this a lot. We talk about this a lot, the CTF, deficit spending. So the deficit spending by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has gotten way out of hand. Like it's just banana pants. It's almost impossible to really understand. So just to be clear, let's take a stroll down memory lane. Trudeau promised that he would actually balance the budget by 2019. He said so out loud with his face. That didn't happen. So we've been going through this data published by the Parliamentary Budget Officer recently, and we're trying to find out when the feds might actually be able to balance this budget. You took a long look at this. What did you find? Well, absolutely mind-boggling. After looking at these spreadsheets that were published by the PBO, which is the government's own independent budget watchdog, the feds aren't going to balance the budget until 2070 under the status quo, according to that PBO data. So about 50 more years of deficit spending if our politicians do not change course, which is absolutely, I mean, it's hard to fathom. Right. Quite honestly, I mean, to put it into more of context, you know, that would be like the government under former Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau in the early 1970s, putting us on a path 
where we wouldn't balance the budget until now, right? And, and if this shows anything, I think it shows us the importance of why we need our politicians to start taking deficit spending serious again. Wow, you put it that way, it's much easier to understand. That's just chilling. Okay, so I guess this unfortunately answers the burning question uh, that Trudeau had started flippantly by saying that the budget will balance itself. Answer, no, it bloody well won't. Um, and at least not for 50 years or so. Uh, so remember folks, again, Trudeau during his election campaign in 2015, he said he was going to run little itty bitty deficits and then he was going to balance the budget by 2019. Let's listen to that. We are committed to balancing the budget in 2019. Okay, so he missed that target by a country mile. Big deficit in 2019, so no COVID spending excuse there. Huge deficit last year, and it looks like around 50 years of more deficit spending if the government doesn't reverse course. Yeah, and what does this all mean? Well more deficits, more deficit spending means more debt. And, and right now we're already more than $1 trillion in debt federally. But if the feds don't balance that budget until 2070, the federal government is going to rack up another $2.7 trillion worth of debt, close to $4 trillion in debt interest payments, right? So so this is just completely not fair for future generations. And, and, and we kind of broke the numbers down per person. So if a baby is born this year, it is already going to owe about $26,000 in federal government debt. By the time that budget is balanced about 50 years from now, that little, that little youngster will be on the hook for about $67,000 in federal government debt alone. Let me play devil's advocate because really <laughs> I need to kind of soothe my brain because it's difficult to understand this and it's scary. Let's play devil's advocate. Why should we care? Honestly, a lot of people are in debt. People take on debt for houses. They take on debt for vehicles. A lot of governments around the world are in debt. Um, why should we care about deficits and debt? Well, let me, there's a few different reasons. There are a few different reasons why we have to care, care about all this deficit spending, why we have to care about all this debt. But let me just start with maybe the most important. The first is that, well, hey, all of this money has to be paid back eventually if politicians don't take some air out of their bloated budgets, right? This money isn't going to grow on the trees. It's not going to fall from the skies. One way or another is going to have to come from taxpayers' pockets if politicians don't cut spending. And when you consider provincial government debt on top of federal government debt, because, well, there is only one taxpayer, then each Canadian by the end of this year already owes about $57,000 in government debt, right? And that's only going to grow if politicians continue with this deficit spending. Now, Simmer, I don't know about you, but I don't. And I know there ain't too many Canadians that just have tens of thousands of dollars lying around to be paying for their politicians' credit card bills. No, for sure. A lot of people are just struggling, frankly, depending on which province you look at. Uh, typically, quite often, there'll be uh, debt research studies that show that over 40% or around 40% of average people are within $200 every month of insolvency, meaning they can't meet all of their bill payments month to month. So this idea of this massive government debt that's tens of thousands of dollars heaped onto their heads on top of that is just mind boggling. 
Uh, on top of all of this, too, we have to worry about interest charges, uh, which cost a ton of money every year. So every dollar that goes to the bond fund managers on Bay Street in Toronto, because you are paying interest on that debt, yes, it's historically low, but you're still paying the interest. Every dollar that you pay to those bond fund managers can't then be spent on education or healthcare or new roads or even to lower taxes for average people. Folks need to remember that, that every dollar borrowed is more money borrowed on top of that with interest. So if the feds don't balance the budget until the year 2070, those interest charges, they must be sky high. Did you look at that element of it? Yeah, and there's some crazy, some crazy facts in there. So beginning in 2043, the government's interest charges on the debt are going to be start being bigger than the government's deficits. Mind boggling, right? And if and if we don't reverse course under the status quo, um, by the time the feds eventually get around to balancing their budget in 2070, interest costs will have hit taxpayers for about $3.8 trillion, right? That's $3.8 trillion worth of interest charges that taxpayers essentially will lose out on if the status quo doesn't change. All right. Um, folks, for, to give you an idea, a trillion is a one with 12 zeros after it. It would, it would take you thousands of years to count to that three-something trillion dollar number. And that's just the interest payments. This is just nauseating. Okay, so under the status quo, let's plow through this. We see balanced budget from the feds until around 2070. That's when we might see a balanced budget, the year 2070. So you've talked about the deficit part and the balanced budget part. At what point do they actually start paying off the debt? Like what, what element is there there? Will we ever see a debt-free Canada? I'm thinking I won't ever see a debt-free Canada at the status quo. Yeah, that's a really good question, right? Because not only do we have to actually get our politicians to start taking deficits seriously so that they actually balance the budget, but then after they balance the budget, we got to still worry about this huge debt tab. And as we, as I already kind of mentioned, if the status quo continues by the time it's 2070, we're already going to be trillions of dollars in debt. Um, and so what the parliamentary budget officer says is that after the budget is finally balanced in 2070, it could still take another two decades to pay off the debt, right? So that is already alarming, alarming news. But here's the scary part. The PBO, it assumes that the effective interest rate for the federal government's debt will, will eventually settle in at around 2.84%. Now, that's still going to be lower than interest rates were between 1991 and 2014, according to the PBO. And then the PBO also estimates that our economy will continue to grow, right? That we're going to go on a steady upward march of economic growth. Um, the PBO also assumes that a lot of the surplus money is going to be going to paying off the debt. So these are, I, I'm sure they're fair assumptions, but I think they're rosy assumptions, right? Yeah. And here's why I say that. I'm sure the smart people at the PBO ha have put in the time, have made good projections, but the problem is, is that we don't have a crystal ball, right? So what happens if interest rates spike? What happens if Canada stumbles into another downturn? What happens if politicians, after balancing the budget, want to use some of that surplus money for who knows what type of pet project? So I think that just goes to underscore the point that if things really don't change, I mean, we can really be setting us up for decades and decades of debt. Wow. 
Yeah, and you mentioned like the 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 assumed topping out interest rate of the height that it would reach. That's still way lower. You mentioned Pierre Elliott Trudeau last time. Pet. That's way lower than it was in the early '80s. Holy smokes! Um, and that's a reality for a lot of people. A lot of our listeners and viewers would have lived through that time. So that's not outside the realm of possibility that interest rates could be getting higher. All right, those are great points, um, but there's something that we need to make clear here, even just for our own sense of hope. Um, these are projections. The, there's nothing stopping politicians right now from turning around, sobering up, and balancing the budget long before the year 2070. Um, they need to have the spine to make these tough decisions, frankly. They have to learn how to say no, especially to frivolous and stupid spending, because frankly, we can't afford to otherwise. How else are we going to climb out of this? We need to take this very seriously, and we should call up our members of parliament right now and tell them that this is unacceptable, and they better start taking this debt seriously. Who's well, right? yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, these these are very scary projections, but we do have to remember that they are projections. So there isn't actually anything stopping politicians from balancing the budget well before 2070, other than a lack of maybe spine and political will. Uh, so things can be better than what we're talking about. Uh, but unfortunately, we're seeing the Trudeau government continue to take us in the wrong direction, right? Uh, Finance Minister Christia Freeland, uh, her budget earlier this spring plans to increase permanent permanent federal government spending by $100 billion by 2026, and the government has no plans on how to actually pay for all of that spending. And, you know, recently we've seen a ton of new spending announcements from the Trudeau government. Just since the beginning of July, we've seen the Liberal government announce $440 million for aerospace companies, hundreds of millions of dollars for a steel company, $1.3 billion for the SkyTrain in British Columbia. And we've even seen the government add more than a billion dollars to its climate change fund. And we have to remember, this is extremely important, all of this new spending is on top of an already bloated pre-pandemic budget, right? The Trudeau government spent more in 2018 than ever before in Canada's modern history. So it spent more in 2018 before COVID-19 than it ever did in any single year during World War II, during the Korean War, or during previous recessions. So the Trudeau government and the federal government really was spending a ton of money before COVID-19. It spent a ton of money during COVID-19 and its plans to spend a ton of money after COVID-19. Holy smokes. Uh, we often say here at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, you can either laugh or cry. Uh, there's, this isn't a laughing matter. This is really serious, uh, but don't cry. Uh, folks, take that frustration you're feeling right now and that chill down your spine that I'm feeling too, and use it to empower yourself. Uh, we are here to fight for taxpayers and that's what we need to do. So right now, uh, we can't take this line down and we can't allow our national finances to just continue to plummet. So pick up the phone, write that email, all hands on deck. Write your member of parliament and you tell them to get this deficit spending under control like yesterday, that you and your grandkids are not going to be on the hook to pay for deficit spending for the next 50 years. That is unacceptable. We don't care what party is in charge. This is not responsible governance and we need to put them back in check. So for starters, once you land on our website, taxpayer.com, sign our petition to stop Trudeau's deep dive into debt. 
Okay, it's time for Waste Watch. Uh, after that deep dive, Franco, frankly, um, I might need a whiskey. That was really, really uh, disturbing, the amount of debt that we're paying. But this is Waste Watch. This is where we try to have fun, laugh a little bit about the craziest amounts of uh, government waste stories that we can find. Uh, Franco, I hear there's a big waste, pun intended, story out of the city <laughs> of Toronto. Tell us about it. Yeah, let's air some uh, dirty laundry from the city of Toronto here. <laughs> turns, <laughs> turns out the city uh, paid over... $9,000 for a, get this, washer and dryer that was supposed to cost $2,000. So $7,000 over budget for a washer and dryer and simmer. That information came to light through an Auditor General's report that was triggered by allegations that Toronto's corporate real estate management division was paying inflated invoices. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I always get a kick out of the fact that there's like government departments that I've never heard about before. And then you hear about them and then they're wasting money. So I, I gotta, I, I'm trying to wonder how you could possibly spend that amount of money on a washer dryer. I don't know about you. I watch me some prices, right? I know what a washer dryer uh, unit costs and it ate $9,000. So apparently the vendor that the city hired to remove the old washer and dryer in this case, billed taxpayers for $4,660. And that was just for the removal, not the cost of the new machines or their installation. So more than four grand to remove an old washer dryer, okay? And apparently the vendor also charged the city 1200 bucks to install the new washer dryer. Like, how did this happen? Crazy, yeah. I mean, the retail price for the washer and dryer is 2200 bucks, yeah. 2200 <laughs> smackers. So this went crazy over budget for washers and dryers. And people are always saying, Hey, why are you always so crazy about all this government spending? I mean, look, this was pure waste. Come on. Um, yeah. Now that, that Auditor, Auditor General uh, found that on almost all contracts, almost all contracts, the city's corporate real estate management division, employees didn't even bother asking vendors to generate supporting documents to justify their high charges. Isn't that crazy? This is nuts. And apparently uh, the AG report says there is no indication that all of this overbilling was even intentional. Uh, but taxpayers still have a right to be skeptical. How come we see so many instances of overbilling, but not underbilling? I can't remember the last time that I've been digging through documents and I found, oh, well, we got a real big deal on this. So they underbilled. That like pretty much never happens. Wouldn't this be the case if this was all due to error? Oh man, could, could you just imagine one day reading up a, taking a newspaper story and, and just seeing a headline saying, taxpayers underbilled, taxpayers <laughs> <laughs> got some money back from politicians. Could you just You'd imagine? Be it would be a dream. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, so Toronto City Council has since passed a motion to enforce more oversight of contractors that work for the city. Uh, well, I guess, uh, I guess that's better than nothing. Hey, Simmer. You know, we get taken to the cleaners routinely as taxpayers, and it's really annoying listening to the spin cycle coming out of Toronto City Hall saying they're just now getting on top of this. Sorry, I'll stop with my stupid washer dryer puns. Folks, this is why we fight. If you want to hear more uh, waste of taxpayers money stories, go to our website, taxpayer.com. There you can also share all of our commentaries, take a look at our news releases, and sign our petitions. Most importantly, join our army. We here at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation have been around for more than 30 years and we're fighting for you. We are about lower taxes, less waste, a more accountable government. So head to our website, taxpayer.com and join the fight.
rate and be sure also uh, to share this podcast with your friends who care about this stuff. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, President of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening, and thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.